You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in a moment, but we want to start with a large police presence right now in Maple Ridge. Officers, including the emergency response team, are focusing their attention on a home in the Alco Park neighborhood. Our Catherine Urquhart is there for us tonight. Catherine, some new developments in just the last half hour. What are you learning? That's right, Sophie and Chris, a number of developments at this scene of a police standoff in Maple Ridge. We can tell you that two ambulances and a fire truck went in past the police barricade here. And just in the last couple of minutes, they drove away slowly. Also, we can tell you that first responders have indicated to us that this is wrapping up. The incident all started at about 10 o'clock this morning. Now, neighbors told us that a man was in a house at the end of the street and police were trying to negotiate with him using a loud hailer. A number of flashbangs could be heard going off as well. Throughout the day, though, police would not say exactly what they were dealing with. A number of officers left the scene in about the past 20 minutes or so, again, along with paramedics and firefighters, again, indicating that this situation here in Maple Ridge is wrapping up, but police are not confirming that with us at this time. Sophie? Well, if that is indeed the case, I imagine it'll be some relief to neighbours. Catherine, a very large police presence there. Do we know if any other homes in the area were evacuated as a precaution? There are only about three or four homes on the street where this house in question was involved in the police standoff. And neighbors tell us that each lot is a minimum of one acre in size. So it's possible that no evacuations were needed. We certainly saw a couple of people in their homes here behind us. That said, a barricade remained up at the end of the street here throughout the day so that people could not enter into the area. Again, it appears that the scene is wrapping up here in Maple Ridge. That's not confirmed, but we will We'll let you know as soon as we get more information. Sophie, Chris, back All to right. you. All right, thanks for that. Catherine Urquhart in Maple Ridge for us. Now, no word yet whether that police incident could be connected to a single vehicle crash in Maple Ridge early this morning. That crash just before 6 a.m. took down a hydro pole, knocking out power to hundreds of customers. It happened near 209th Street and River Road. The driver then ran away. No word yet on a cause. Now to some pretty dramatic video and questions being raised tonight about use of force by RCMP in Whistler. Stop. You're being videoed. Stop hitting. Stop. Stop hitting. It stems from this emergency call to a brawl in the village on New Year's Eve. A portion of the arrest was recorded by a witness. The officers say they had to use pepper spray to break up the fight. In total, five people were arrested. One allegedly assaulted an officer. The viewer who sent us this video said officers used unnecessary force. Global News reached out to Whistler RCMP for comment on those allegations, but RCMP did not get back to us. Now, in Metro Vancouver, the crowds were relatively well behaved. Yeah, no major incidents after tens of thousands of revelers filled Jackpool Plaza and the surrounding area to take in those fireworks. Grace Key has more on the party post-mortem. Thousands welcomed in the new year at Jackpoo Plaza for a free outdoor celebration in downtown Vancouver, rocking the night away next to a DJ stage. 
But as soon as the evening winded down, there was the mad crunch to get home. For the most part, everybody's been in a really good mood, having a good time, welcoming in the new year. The festive mood continued at the SkyTrain station. Hey, mother, I love you. TransLink offered free service and extended hours so partiers could get home safely. And people were in good spirits, even though the lineup at the waterfront station went on for about two blocks. It's been a whole, like one and a half hour. One and a half hour? Yeah. Is it worth it? Definitely, because it's I mean, it's you have free. to go home, so it is worth it. Obviously. Yeah. Others cabbed at home in another year without ride sharing. Although the BC Taxi Association said they would have every available vehicle on the road, for some, the wait was still too long. Yeah, we wait for around 20 minutes. And then it's the part no one looks forward to. The cleanup after the big party. Volunteers with Green Chair Recycling handled the dirty work. It's very bad because we see a lot of confetti, which is very bad for the environment, right? And a lot of balloons. While some may be nursing a hangover, there could be worse ways to ring in the new year. After knee-deep in garbage, the rest of 2019 can only look better. Grace Key, Global News. Well, the new year also means the B.C. Assessment Authority is releasing new property values. The numbers, which came out today, have many curious as to whether their home is worth more or less as 2019 kicks off. Jill Bennett breaks down the winners and losers and what experts say this means about the market overall. A single detached home in Vancouver's Kitts Point. The list price, just shy of $4 million. But the assessed value has gone down almost half a million dollars, a common trend in the newly released BC assessments. Around uh, west side of Vancouver, you certainly see some fairly significant drops. Uh, you can certainly see double digits in percentages. Uh, condo should be a bit stronger, may depend on the sub-market, but uh, the decline of single family is probably the most pronounced thing you'll see. That is the case in much of Metro Vancouver. While elsewhere in the province, there are increases in the assessed values of detached homes, anywhere from 5 to 15 percent. So why such a big difference? British Columbia has gone from a pretty good place to just buy a property and not necessarily hang your hat here to a terrible place uh, between foreign buyer, speculation tax, empty home. Uh, this is not a good place for sort of mobile capital to park. The picture is much different when looking at the condo market. The assessments show increases of 10 to 20 percent in much of B.C. But keep in mind that snapshot is from July 1st, 2018, and a lot can change in six months. We're starting to see now the condo market is starting to follow the detached market where it is in a, I would say it's in a correction mode. Um, prices there probably topped out in February 2018 and, and since then have been slowly grinding lower. Soretsky expects that trend will continue into 2019. Pretty confident to say and I'm sure most realtors would agree that it's, it's definitely a buyer's market uh, I think for both whether it's a detached house or a condo at this point. The BC Assessment website is now live, meaning you can search any property. In case you're wondering what the most expensive address in the province is, this Point Grey Road mansion is now assessed at $73 million. That's a drop of almost $6 million from the previous year. Jill Bennett, Global News. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with a closer look at the gains and losses in the BC Assessment role. Keith?
Yeah, Sophie, you know, the assessments uh, provide an annual lesson. There's no such thing as a single BC real estate market. In fact, it's very much uh, varies widely on a regional basis. Geography plays a big role here. So I broke down some of the numbers even further. So take a look at this. In Metro Vancouver, uh, the assessments are indeed down. And these are just average uh, average numbers, folks, 5 to 10%, depending on where you live. So that's Metro Vancouver. What about the rest of the province? Different story there. Uh, assessments actually up 5 to 15%. Uh, again, on average, it, it can vary from places like uh, the Okanagan and Vancouver Island. Also, when you look at commercial industrial property, again, the numbers are different than what we saw in Metro Vancouver because they're actually up. The assessments 10 to 20 percent. So industrial and commercial pro property continue to escalate in value. And finally, as, uh, as Jill reported in her story, condominiums are up uh, 10 to 20 percent. But as Tom Davidoff points out and others, this is, again, based on last July 1st. There seems to be a slight slowdown in the condo market since then. So that, that final number probably not as accurate as it was, uh, say, six months ago. Now, one final bit of trivia here, uh, guys, is that uh, Kitimat uh, in the northwest corner of B.C. is one of the rapidly uh, greatest increase in assessments, largely because that huge LNG facility is going to be built there. So land values there are about to escalate and skyrocket as there's literally a rush on land to be purchased there. So many people are going to be working there. So, again, another reflection that uh, assessments vary tremendously widely on a geographical basis more than any other reason. For sure. All right. Keith, thanks for that. Right now, though, the couple accused in a bomb plot to blow up the B.C. legislature is still free after the case against them fell apart. But the big question now is, will the Crown appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada? Romina Dea explains what Global News has uncovered in court documents and the twist that could cost taxpayers millions more. John Nuttall and Amanda Carodi are free. But despite the B.C. Court of Appeal ruling in their favour last month, the couple was supposed to be in court again next week for a peace bond hearing to determine whether they still pose a risk to the public. If you have a stone, throw it. If you have a bomb, drop it. The couple had been subject to 14 conditions, including a 100-metre no-go zone for the B.C. legislature and any Canadian forces base. Global News has uncovered court documents which reveal the January 7th hearing has been cancelled. The peace bond withdrawn by the Crown. So the couple is now free of the restrictive court conditions. There's really no justification for a peace bond. Lawyer Kyla Lee says the withdrawal of the peace bond raises questions as to whether Crown will appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. It does not surprise me that they want to push this under the rug. This was hugely embarrassing at both the trial level and the appeal level for the RCMP and for the prosecution service in this country. And tax dollars that were spent on an investigation of two people who posed no risk to the public. We're going to try and shoot and kill as many of them as we can before we ourselves are shot and killed. A jury found Nuttall and Karodi guilty of planting pressure cooker bombs at the B.C. legislature on Canada Day 2013. The convictions put on hold by the trial judge, who ruled the couple was entrapped by police. That decision upheld by B.C.'s Court of Appeal last month, ruling the RCMP investigation was a travesty of justice. This case is likely not over for taxpayers. Given the strength of the B.C. Court of Appeal ruling, legal experts say Nuttall and Karodi's chances are strong if they decide to launch a civil suit against the federal government and RCMP.
being targeted by the police in the way that they were and effectively abused by the police and the way that the prosecution was carried out in this case could expose them uh, to some type of punitive damages um, in the range perhaps even of several million dollars. Crown has until about February 19th to file for appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. We reached out on Monday to find out what happens next. Still no response. Romina Dea, Global News. The Canadian woman has a warning for others, especially seniors, after a smooth-talking con artist stole her heart and her money. As Global's Sean O'Shea reports, she lost more than $100,000 to an online romance scam. He told me not to tell anybody. I just didn't listen. A suspected scammer robbing a recent widow named Margaret, not at gunpoint, but through a dating site. Why did you give him the money? Sean, I don't know. Margaret is the victim of a romance scam, a cunning con game that cost Canadians at least $17 million in 2017. Many victims never go to police out of embarrassment or shame. The scam started after Margaret's husband died. She met a suitor through the dating site, Match.com. They would never meet in person, but they talked on the phone constantly. It was so comforting to have somebody tell me all these wonderful things about myself. So when the scammer sent her these pictures, likely of someone else, she was hooked. More than a month in, he asked for money. I'm so the first time I sent him 12,000 US. At one point, he claimed he was in jail in India. There was a picture to support that claim. She sent $80,000 on another occasion. The scam fits a typical pattern, warned about online and by police. My business fell through. I'm trying to move some product. They froze my accounts. Honey, I need you to help me out. Margaret is a fit, athletic 75-year-old, but her flagging emotional health and diagnosed with signs of early dementia made her an ideal target. My bank uh, manager said, this is a scam. You don't want to do this. She sent the money anyway. I, I wasn't thinking straight. This cost you your independence, didn't it? It cost me everything, my dignity, my independence. I had to sell my car. I'm moving out of this apartment. I, I'm not going to be able to afford it. The last time the scammer asked for money, she realized she'd been duped. I said, no way. And that's when I contacted the police and then I got in touch with you. Getting back the money, virtually impossible. Margaret wants to warn others not to make the mistake she did, one that comes as an expensive lesson. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. Well, thousands of people across B.C. cast aside common sense today, taking part in the annual madness known as the polar bear swim. It's a good thing we had to work today. That's right. It's our <laughs> excuse. As John Hua reports, an elite group of New Year's Day athletes take it to the next level, going for their equivalent of a hat trick. It takes a special character to kick off a new year with a cold, cold swim. It's a symbolic thing now. It's the new year. Let's start this off and then get this going. But Jamie Lee Quinn is going for a near hypothermic hat trick. Three polar bear swims in a day. The very first, buck naked. Everybody here is uh, really cool. And this is the one I look forward to the most, actually, out of all three. Successfully completing the trio of plunges puts you in the exclusive Mad Hatter Swim Club, something Lee Quinn has been a part of for the past five years. You do the White Rock Swim at noon, you come down to Crescent Rock Beach, you do the nude swim at 1, and then you go downtown to English Bay for 2.30 for the big Vancouver swim. 
damage from a windstorm in White Rock forced that polar bear swim to be cancelled. So this swim at Crescent Rock Beach was moved up by an hour to keep the Mad Hatter alive. This is the first time they've had to juggle it because it's the first time that I know of that uh, White Rock has been cancelled. Five minutes to prepare yourself. The second leg, a more PG-13 plunge in South Surrey. And we're trying to convince Lucas over there to also join me. Lucas Meyer didn't even bring a swimsuit, but how do you say no to an official Mad Hatter? Never has someone been so betrayed by their friend and a stranger. Three, two, one! Taking a quick dip alongside a polar bear pro, and Lucas Meyer might be next year's newest member. Absolutely awful. Absolutely no. awful. It was great. It was a great experience. Capping things off is the final polar bear swim at English Bay, where no one needs convincing. Oh my gosh, we've been pumping up since yesterday, honey. A final plunge into the frigid waters, and Lee Quinn has completed his Mad Hatter mission. You know it's a great start to the year when you don't want it to end. One more time! <laughs> John Hua, Global News. Everybody ready? I can't hear you! Three, two, one! Three polar bear events on Vancouver Island today, including this one in Esquimalt. This swim raising money for Kids Sport Greater Victoria to ensure that all families have access to team sports. Whew. That was amazing. It makes you feel alive. You know, after about a minute, your body kind of regulates, and it's just fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a good thing to do. It's always a blast. You leave pumped up, and gratefully you did it. That was fantastic. Fresh start, cold start, it's awesome. 2018 was a dumpster fire, so we're just going to leave it all in the lagoon and hope for the best of 2019. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year to you, yeah. too. Good for you. <laughs> now, for those who didn't feel like going for an icy dip, how about a marathon plus? Oh, yes, there we are. <laughs> yeah. Kiss that fire yeah. hydrant. Yes. They call it the fat ass 50. Clearly not something those taking part have to worry about. It's a 50 kilometer run through Vancouver to kick off the new year on the right foot. And as you just saw, it ends with participants puckering up to plant one on that fire hydrant. Yay! Kiss that fire hydrant! Oh. Don't lick it. You might lose your tongue. It's an out and back. So that's great. You're feeling strong, wonderful. You get to the halfway mark. You think, ha, I can do this. And the back's a monster. And for those who weren't quite feeling up to running 50K today, there was a less extreme challenge of 1 to 49 kilometers, all runs with an option of taking a post-run dip in the Pacific Ocean to soothe those aching muscles. Can't believe we got away with saying fat-ass 50 on TV, but... <laughs> and you just did it, it just, again. Just did it again, twice. <laughs> well... It's a New Year's Day miracle in Russia where an 11-month-old baby was pulled from the rubble of a collapsed apartment. That rescue coming more than a day after part of the building was leveled in a gas explosion. The baby boy surviving in frigid temperatures because he was wrapped warmly in his crib. The moment even amazed rescuers. An 11-month-old baby boy pulled out of the rubble, alive after surviving for more than 36 hours in freezing temperatures. A glimmer of hope for authorities desperately searching for survivors. 
This video capturing the moment a deadly gas explosion ripped through the 10-story Russian apartment building Monday. Dozens of people still fear trapped. But today, rescuers heard that baby's cries. I saw parts of the cribs, this first responder says. We cut the linoleum and I saw a face. The baby, named Ivan, had frostbite, a head injury, and fractures. But he was swaddled in a blanket and warm bedding, which helped him survive frigid temperatures of minus four degrees. His mother was able to escape when the building came down. My elder son and I fell through, she said, and he was left alone in his cot. Tonight, Ivan has been airlifted to Moscow for treatment. A New Year's Eve bonfire burns out of control in the Netherlands, sparking not one, but several fire NATOs. <laughs> the fire twister is sweeping across the sand one after another, blowing embers and ash across the beach. The bonfire is made out of wooden pallets stacked sky high, and the event is held every year as a competition with the neighboring town. Firefighters eventually got it under control, and no one was hurt. Just one example of a number of New Year's Eve celebrations around the world that didn't quite go as planned, NBC's Matt Bradley reports. Billions celebrated New Year's Eve last night with huge parties from Paris to Pyongyang. But in Tokyo, celebrating took a terrifying turn when police say a driver deliberately plowed into the crowd. A pedestrian bridge collapse in Moscow sent revelers tumbling, injuring more than a dozen. A huge bonfire nearly turned into a wildfire in the Netherlands. In Times Square, cleanup is well underway after a soggy beginning to 2019. While in Texas, fog mixed with smoke from fireworks led to near zero visibility on the roads. Fog also to blame for this 20-car pileup near Austin. It looks like we're going to have at least 30 people that are going to need evaluation. Out west, it was cold and blustery for the hardy people who camped out overnight for the Rose Parade. It was extremely cold, and our chairs actually kind of flew into the street. And then there are those who truly embrace the cold. You get to jump in there and feel like a champion. Kicking off the new year on a fun but chilly note. Matt Bradley, NBC News, New York. A terrifying incident involving a toddler has a Florida zoo suspending one of its most popular programs. A two-year-old girl was rushed to hospital after falling into a wild animal enclosure. A family New Year's Day trip to a Florida zoo turned terrifying when a two-year-old girl toppled into a rhinoceros exhibit. A witness posting this picture of a white shoe. The Brevard Zoo in Melbourne says during the hands-on educational experience with rhinos, children three years of age and older are led by a zookeeper and able to touch the 4,000-pound animals, separated by a series of steel poles. While the father was kneeling down holding the child, according to the witnesses, the child stumbled backwards, fell between the bars. Uh, the father and the mother immediately reacted and brought the child out. But at least one, if not two, of the rhinos we think made contact with their snout. 
The toddler airlifted to an area hospital. The mother also treated for a non-critical injury to her arm. The incident similar to a 2016 accident at the Cincinnati Zoo when a three-year-old boy fell into a gorilla enclosure and was tossed about by one of the animals who was later killed. The rhino exhibit remains closed pending investigation. The zoo says until they've thoroughly reviewed our processes and procedures to ensure this cannot happen again. Katie Beck, NBC News. A record-setting New Year's Day for NASA scientists going farther than anyone has gone before. The New Horizons spacecraft successfully pulling off a high-risk flyby of an unusual space rock, a stunning 1.6 billion kilometers beyond Pluto. We've just accomplished the most distant flyby. A room full of people in Laurel, Maryland got something unusual today. The greatest long-distance call in human history. That call traveled more than 4 billion miles, a radio signal from NASA's New Horizons spacecraft, flying past Ultimate Thule, a frozen world shaped like a bowling pin, a pristine relic from the dawn of time. I don't know about all of you, but uh, I'm really liking this 2019 thing so far. <laughs> Alan Stern is the principal investigator for NASA's New Horizons project. The space probe, about the size of a baby grand piano, launched in 2006, sent back breathtaking photos of Pluto in 2015, then traveled deeper into the Kuiper belt for its flyby of Ultima Thule. We chased it down from a billion miles away, more or less in the dark out there, and we crossed it at 32,000 miles an hour. Space scientists will release high-resolution photos tomorrow. Those photos and other data could teach scientists more about how planets like Earth were formed from smaller worlds like Ultima Thule, believed to be roughly as old as the solar system itself, four and a half billion years. This is an example of America on its game and people in our time doing things that are larger than life, that actually go down in history books, that make a difference for the body of human knowledge. For the next decade, New Horizons will keep sailing into the cosmos. Its next target, unclear, but another billion miles or more from Earth. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Laurel, Maryland. Yes, the rock connection to this amazing rock. Queen guitarist Brian May has written a song to commemorate NASA's historic fly past of Ultima Thule, appropriate called New Horizons. May joined scientists at Johns Hopkins University this morning to watch the flyby live. His fascination with space goes back a long way. He actually has a doctorate in astrophysics. So he's done well. Yeah, high achiever. <laughs> exactly. Well, it didn't take long for BC to register its first baby of 2019. About a minute, actually. A Coquitlam couple gets bragging rights, welcoming their newborn son at Royal Columbian Hospital in New Westminster. Tanya Beja reports. He's their first child and British Columbia's firstborn of 2019. We just wanted a baby, and now we've got, like, the unicorn baby, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Little Dominic Soswa of Coquitlam was born one minute after midnight. As soon as he came out, all the nurses were calling around and they said, we think you're number one, and, uh, and we were. Dominic arriving on his due date, a healthy eight pounds, three ounces. From the time we got here to now, every, everyone's been so lovely. 
I'd do it again tomorrow. <laughs> that after a full day of labour followed by an unplanned C-section for mom Janet at Royal Columbian Hospital, Dad Lucas is a surgeon in Langley and wanted to take part. So when we were taking her for a C-section, I, I was just following and we go, no, 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 you're just, you're just the dad today. And so that <laughs> felt a little awkward. Staff at Royal Columbian celebrating the special delivery. It's very, very exciting. The last time we had a New Year's baby was 2000. We're a little bit competitive, I guess, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so it's nice to actually get the first baby. So far, the proud parents say Dominic sleeps and eats well. As for their hopes for his future... He's going to be pushed to be great, so this is, this is start one. <laughs> Tanya Bija, Global News. Well, they were hoping for some fun, but this is definitely not the way you want to ring in the new year. We've got that story right after the forecast. No, you want to hang out with us at Jackpool Plaza. That's right. You do not want to hang out at 58 <laughs> no. meters in the air. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a great time, and it was a little chilly but dry last night uh, at Jackpool. Christy Gordon joins us now yeah. with a look at uh, next year. Well, not next year anymore, is it? Yeah, the last this year. year. The last, last year already, isn't it? That's right. I thought I'd do a quick recap. 2018, I crunched the numbers, mean temperature right around where we should be, but uh, slightly above. But the rainfall, you can see it was a wet year, that's for sure. Very typical La Nina year or week one. But it doesn't give a good perspective because, as you well know, we had an incredibly dry summer. So I actually broke it down in four for you could have a better idea of really what our year looked like. January, February, March, and April were all very wet, well above average in terms of rainfall. And southern BC ended up with 100 to 150% above average snowpack. Uh, we've had significant snow across the south coast as well, but not a lot actually uh, lowered down. It was only, uh, we only reported snowfall in the month of February at YVR. But then late April, Mother Nature turned the taps off. May and June were incredibly dry. May only reported 1.6 millimeters of rain, and we had record-breaking warm spells, and it led to major flooding across southern B.C., areas like Grand Forks getting hit hard, and that hot, dry weather actually continued. So through May, June, July, and August, all very dry, and we had actually uh, quite a heat wave in July as well, and that led to the record-breaking forest fire season that we had. And then late September, Mother Nature turned the taps back on and it got wet again through those four months. 674 millimeters of rain. Six rainiest day ever reported on uh, December 13th. And of course we had that windstorm. So it was really in sections where the fall and the winter were really wet and that led to an, on average a very wet year. And we had a little snow scare to start off 2019, but it really didn't amount to much. We weren't expecting it to be. This was really your day out there. So a nice, easy start, but it is going to get wet, and the pattern is going to be wet as far as we can see. We've got a whole series of systems headed our way, except for those of you across the north, cold and dry. Light flurries for the interior regions, whereas coastal regions will see the rain develop through the morning hours. If you head out early, you may be dry, but don't leave without a rain jacket. Two very wet, windy days on the way. A little bit of a dry patch later Friday into our Saturday, but it's not going to last long. And I'll leave you with a shot from Vancouver. Polar Bear Swim. Thanks to John for that one. Look at all those people. A cold, good time. Thanks, well, Christy. <laughs> no matter what you did on New Year's Eve, you probably had a better time than these people. Three adults and five teenagers spent more than eight hours from New Year's Eve to New Year's Day trapped. 
52 meters above the ground on a broken ride in the French city of Rennes. Firefighters' ladders weren't high enough, so rescuers used a helicopter to reach the trapped people, lift them out, and then winch them down to the ladder. They all finally made it to solid ground early this morning, and in the end, no one was physically hurt. Scary, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, echoes of the legendary 1973 Battle of the Sexes between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs as two of the best tennis players in the world squared off in Australia today. Serena Williams and Roger Federer are playing a mixed doubles match against each other at the Hopman Cup. The two legends with 43 singles Grand Slam wins between them put on a show until Federer's team finally took the match. In the end, the winner didn't really matter. The crowd had been treated to an historic match between two of the greatest players in the history of the game. Squire joins us now. What's your perspective on the greatness of those two players? Well, I mean, I don't think you need much perspective. You just have to look at their numbers. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, 23 grand slams for Serena, I believe, and 20 for Roger Federer. And the most amazing thing is that they're still two of the top players in the world, right. and they're in their late 30s. Right. Yeah. This is a sport that normally you kind of burn out in your late 20s. They yeah. are still rolling, and they're still way up there. Federer said that he was sort of nervous about the facing her serve. Playing oh, really? Serena. Yeah. <laughs> I know I would be. Mm-hmm. And Serena said she was sad it ended so fast. She was just getting warmed up. All right. Squire? Yes, that's me. Let's go. Let's go. For Sportscast of 2019. Okay. Here's the good news. Canada has never failed to get a medal when we have hosted the World Juniors in the home and native land. And we should have a good enough team to win a medal this year. But there are some things that need to improve to get a medal and get through Finland in tomorrow's quarterfinal game. A better power play would help Canada. More offense from the blue line as well. Last night, the Canadians missed a chance to win their group. They lost 2-1 to Russia. Now, that can be the only game Canada loses for the rest of this week, because now you have to win the stay-in. Racing to his cross. He spins and fires. That's blocked as well. And Russia wins it by a score of 2-1. to one. Russia goes to 4-0 in the tournament. Canada drops to 3-1 and and will finish second in Group A. So in a tournament like this, everything's, uh, you know, times a thousand, I think, and especially when uh, games are must-wins and and the games are so tight, uh, you know, the smallest difference or the smallest inch will uh, will become the biggest difference in the game. And for us, uh, that was last night. We didn't come out on the right end of things, but, uh, you know, we did. We know what we did wrong and what we can improve on. So, that's, uh, you know, that's really promising for our group. The road to back-to-back gold medals got a little steeper for Team Canada following its loss to Russia, a game where Canada took the lead but then failed to capitalize on its five power play opportunities. Canada then watched Russia score a pair of unanswered goals as the Russians finished preliminary round play a perfect 4-0. And I explained to the team how you go through this tournament is things start to compress. The scoring chances for and against. So it becomes details and how we manage those details and then momentum. But it's consistency. So consistency in our effort of trying to play our game every shift, every period. And that's the goal. 
Canada now faces a pesky Finnish team that soundly beat them 5-2. Yes, that was an exhibition play, but you just know it's a win that Finland is pointing to heading into Wednesday's big showdown against Canada. You know, that's that's the beauty of the World Junior. You have to be ready every every game, every night. And, uh, you know, we, we're pretty confident with ourselves, with our game, and uh, we're just going to try to win tomorrow. It's, it's obviously ramped up now. It's it's the quarterfinals, so it's it's kind of win or go home. And um, I think there will be a lot of emotion, but uh, I think you can expect our best game. All quarterfinals games are tomorrow because of the World Juniors, Vancouver and Victoria in the Western Hockey League on the road, and they were both losers this afternoon. 76,000 fans at Notre Dame to watch the Bruins and the Blackhawks in this year's Winter Classic. I always thought leprechauns were lucky, but this is the unluckiest leprechaun I've ever seen. Oh, no. oh leprechaun oh. down! <laughs> no, he didn't hit his head, and his hat's okay. Just a little bit of embarrassment, but he's all right. Okay, so here we go. Blackhawks wearing the black. And they get the first goal. Brendan Perlini, one nothing. But then David Posternak, oh, Canucks could have drafted him instead of Jared McCann. I know other teams passed on him too, but he was the next guy after Jared McCann. Okay, 1-1 in the first period, 2-2 in the third when Sean Corrali will score what proves to be the winner. Bruins take it 4-2 in Notre Dame. When the Seahawks started this year 0-2, the game that began to turn things around for them was the Week 3 victory over Dallas the same team they have to play Saturday in the playoffs. Now, the Cowboys are favored in this Saturday's game, despite losing to Seattle in September, and that's because the Cowboys' offense is different than it was in September. And the difference is one man, wide receiver Amari Cooper, whom the Cowboys brought in from Oakland in a trade. That's, that's pretty much it. The offense is the same, but you have you had a guy like that that you could throw the ball up to or, you know, he can... Uh, you know, turn a five-yard route into 100 yards or something like that. It, it you know, changes uh, your offense. You know, Dak looks a little more confident, looks more like he's, uh, you know, um, you know, making really good decisions with the ball. And, and um, you know, Zeke is Zeke, you know, running the rock really, really hard. So it's kind of what we did last time. You know, they're going to try to get established a run game um, uh, to open up the passing game. So we got to do our jobs, make sure we stop them, and we will. The Rose Bowl, Washington against the Ohio State. Football players always like to say that. I'm from the Ohio State. Well, Paris Campbell from the Ohio State scoring a touchdown here. Great first half for the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. Johnny Dixon now to make it 14-3. The Huskies had a great fourth quarter. They actually outscored Ohio State 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Miles Gaskin on the direct snap. They got within five, onside kick, but they couldn't do it. So Urban Meyer wins his final game coaching Ohio State, and the uh, Huskies lose by five. There you go. Is he retiring? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Packing it in. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Squire. Happy New Year. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 198. Grouse 215, Cypress 210, Sasquatch 170. Revelstoke and Whitewater with a base of 179, 170 for Fernie, 144 for Manning Park. 
Big White with a base of 166, Silver Star 155, Sun Peaks 145. Kicking Horse with a base of 146, Mount Washington 155, Powder King with 20 new centimeters and a base of 207. Okay, it was a heartbreaking sight for anyone who loves cars and a lot of people even who don't love cars. The multi-million dollar collection of a Langley man completely destroyed by fire. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, a little more than a year later, Gary Cassidy is well on his way to rebuilding his dream. Yep. 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 Chrome and glass and metal all gleaming. It reads like a who's who of collectibles. A 53 Pontiac Woody Wagon. It's a 1956 Chevy Nomad. 62 Bel Air. Gary Cassidy has built all of this from scratch in just over a year. Everything here trying to replace the irreplaceable. What was lost after a devastating fire. My wife and I absolutely cried for 21 days. On October 25th, 2017, Langley firefighters watched helplessly as Cassidy's first car collection burned to the ground. Not a panel was salvageable inside. Three million dollars worth of classic automobiles destroyed. People from across North America called, realizing what was lost. We would, we'd have people phone us like, I'm Bob from South Dakota, you don't know me, and I just looked at, I said, I, I'm just, I'm in, broke up, and then I'd just start crying again, so. The cars were insured, and three weeks later, Gary was back at the auctions looking to start over. He has built up his new collection to about 20 vehicles or so, and while it's still fun, it's not quite the same. I'm finding that the enthusiasm is maybe not quite what it was before because I don't think he can replace what I had. Scattered across the Langley property, the burned out shells of a few cars, including his wife's 31 Model T. A reminder of what was once, and is still, a one-of-a-kind collection. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Wow. Amazing what he's been able to do. Well, and the benefit of, of uh, the benefit of collector car auto insurance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, none of that would have been possible yeah, without it. If you it. have a car of that nature, get it insured. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. All right, final word on the weather. Sure, so pretty nice start to 2019, but it's about to get wet. If you're up early, you may not see the rain, but do not leave without a rain jacket. Wind, wet and windy, especially by the latter part of the day, Wednesday, right through Thursday. All right, thanks very much. Thanks for joining us on our first broadcast of 2019. Hope you'll stay with us for the rest of the year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.